0: Hey, welcome back to Table Chat Table. Uh, This is Matt. I'm joined by Nancy Nethercott and John Crawford today. We're going to chat, this is what we do in Table Chat, about the text from this past Sunday, which is from Matthew chapter 6, the end of Matthew 6. And I thought it'd be good before we dive in, John, to maybe a summary of what you said to have Nancy read it for us. So Nancy, will you regale us with the gospel?
1: I would love to. Matthew 6, 19 to 34. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Your eye is a lamp for your body. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul, but an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, how deep that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, I tell you, Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because their Heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he be more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly father already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day. If you live for him and make the kingdom of God, your prior, your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today.
0: Mm. To the Lord, Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. All right. And this has been a part of our ongoing series here, the uh, politics of Jesus and a partisan America. John, would you then give us maybe the good news you proclaimed and just like a two or three minute kind of summary of your message. Yeah,
2: totally. So the good news, uh, proclaimed out of this is that your father, the creator of all things is here right now. Be freed from the worry of the infinite possibilities of tomorrow. Through the power of the God who provides open yourself to Jesus's politic of justice and experience freedom. So that was the good news. And uh, the summary, it um, it did too much and too long and <laughs> tried to move us through. But I think what uh, some of the, the movement of it was to help, um, I think at the beginning, to try and name like, hey, I think in our context and many of who would hear this, uh, this sermon, there's all these anxieties and fears and worries and shames that we have around money. And I wanted to bring, bring those up, speak good news to them, but then really spent a good chunk of time naming. And this came out of, it was really helpful conversation, Matt, you and I had at the end of the week last week. Of like, Oh no, naming money as a God here. Like this is what's happening. Jesus is naming this as this, this God. And then I went into how, this is a God that the punchline eventually was it's using us. It's mm. it's using us and that's so this worry and this shame is that God tearing at our hearts, tearing at what's going on in us. Yeah. Um so then the good news speaks to that. And then to as a piece of that, the say and talk about how this kingdom, kingdom economic, the kingdom of Jesus centers on justice, not on money. And we spend a little bit of time exploring
0: mm.
2: how how we center on money and what that kind of looks like, how that doesn't do us good uh and then very 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 little time and i'd love to explore more like okay so then what does what does a justice centered kingdom look like yeah how does that play itself out um and i I did that by i think just kind of naming not shaming naming a few places i see that happening in our community and ways that we do that in our liturgy ways that our liturgy invites us into that yeah um yeah i think that's a bit of a, a summary
0: yeah. Good, John. Um, real quick, before we uh, jump in, Nancy, I'd love to hear some of the things that stirred for you or even questions you have. Um, but you, you mentioned the word justice here. In most of our English translations, I don't see the word justice in this passage. Where, where are you getting that from?
2: Yeah. So uh, there is a, a stream of uh, folks that can talk about that. And one of them uh, is, um, came out of this book here, uh, politics of Jesus, uh, by Obery Hendricks Jr. Uh, and his, his thought is, and what he's recommending is saying, this fits justice. Uh, we take righteousness. Oftentimes the English translation is there. Uh, and we give it to personal piety. We give it to personal do goodness, focus on being good, doing Mm -hmm. goodness, uh, um, I would say maybe, uh, in one way to quote, a uh, sorry, Silverman, uh, interview I saw yesterday, uh, righteousness porn, it's this <laughs> achievement of doing the right thing all the time, how we do that, uh, and says that it fits in the sermon more, uh, and the idea of what Jesus is saying, the whole sermon to say it's justice oriented here, uh, mm-hmm. and then it's actually a vision of justice is a kingdom wide thing. It's a multiple person thing. It's things that we all participate in, hmm. which then helps fit into what's happening here in the, in the sermon better. So yeah. he's, he's the person who starts suggested that turned me on to it. And there are really many, a few handful of different folks that submit that as well.
0: Yeah. So, the, so specifically in verse 33, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, I think Hendricks makes the point that you're highlighting that the word righteousness, D.I. Kasune, is also translated as justice. And and righteousness does different things, I think, to us. like stirs different connotations like you're talking about, you and Sarah Silverman are talking about. Uh, it stirs different things for us than the word justice. And so it sounds like what you're doing is you're just giving us, you're drawing out this stream or this, um, this layer of meaning from this word and bringing it to the foreground for us.
2: Yeah, because it's right there at the end is why this is what Jesus hands us. He says, don't worry. But then, so if we're not going to worry, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Like, because it's nice and easy to say, don't worry. But so what do we do? And then he hands us this. Yeah, Focus on this. Do this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jump in here, Nancy. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you're noticing in...
1: Yeah, I would I would love to hear John expand on this, on the idea of justice, because that's totally new to me. And um, I also, I thought, how are we going to sing that old song? Mm-hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his justice. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem here. So, but I want to hear more about that. But I, I would like to say that this really hit me um, at a Kairos level. I mean, this was mm-hmm. big for me mm-hmm. because I realized... That I've been, I've been kind of living in this world that you described of feeding this god of money my worry and my anxiety, and it really, it really called me to action, like on my knees, kind of action. Mm-hmm. And you know, the worry of, uh, the fear of scarcity, of um, I'm not going to have enough, um, and so continuously thinking about, okay. How much more do I need to make? What, more, what other class do I need to take? What other yes. little part-time job do I need to grab a hold to in order to have enough? And I felt mm-hmm. like as I sat with this last night, again, listening to your message, John, because it was so, like I said, meaty and rich. I had to di- digest it a little bit more <laughs> that um, I felt like God said to me, Nancy, you haven't even just sat down and crunched the numbers. <laughs> and I'm not a number person, so I tend to shy away from crunching numbers. But I did that. And he just said, look, you're going to be okay, because I've got this. It's Mm -hmm. not about you grabbing uh, the thing that will give you that security. Um, And he said, I can take that fear of scarcity, give that one to me, give me Mm -hmm. cast that worry on me. And so it was, it was a very meaningful message to me um, in a very personal way. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Nancy. Yeah. And that's, uh I'm really encouraged to hear that cuz even in having a bit of conversation with my wife in the in the following she you know gracefully probably heard the sermon 3 to 5 times um but even in after processing with her and she was with some family listening to it um and it struck me the importance of like the good news is the good news in this passage for a reason cuz i think what the typical thing is like we should on ourselves, right? Like here's a bunch of shoulds about justice. And so I'm really encouraged to hear what you're saying. Of like, oh no, then the good news of, I don't have to hold this worry. This isn't my worry to hold. Uh, yeah, I'm just really encouraged by that. So thanks for thanks for sharing that. Because I think that that's a piece of that. Um, so then, yeah, as far as justice, y'all, I, I mean, I named this mid-sermon. I... I I wish I could say that like, Oh yeah, here's my 10 years of practicing totally justice oriented economics. And (laughs) I haven't had anxiety about finances, you know, Mm -hmm. and forever Um, this, I think the whole idea of that centering is pretty new for me. Um, Mm -hmm. As I began to think about it, I think I saw it a lot, but something that I wish, and this is maybe what I'd like to submit and we can play on a little bit. um, But I'd like to just kind of have like when this, if you guys hear this, what do you, what strikes you? But I think, um, the Philippians passage, I think Paul like nails it, what it is. Hmm. So he talks about uh, whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is, uh, and I can't even remember the name. I need to pull up the stuff, but it's, I think that at least my imagination right now is that whatever, um, I think that that's how we focus on justice. I think that that's how we center things on justice because he says, whatever is this, 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 and this, focus on these things. And he's doing that in the middle of a support letter. Basically he's doing that in the middle of a asking different churches for funds to help go and reach other areas and new churches and different things like that. Like he's doing all in the middle, but then he's still saying, this is what we focus on. And I think that some of my beginning imagination at least is okay. Well, if we focus on what is good versus what grows our investment accounts the most, then we probably would be a little more hesitant to invest in certain kind of accounts that we currently do in America that exploit people all around mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. if goodness was our first focus, then it might change some different things in how we go. So I think I don't know. How does that strike you guys? What do you hear there?
0: Yeah, Nancy, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I uh, I mean I just grabbed my Bible and and looked that up uh, looked those pass that passage up. Can I read it? so that we're all hearing the same thing totally because uh, it starts off with uh, in verse six this is philippians four and six and it starts off with that same thing you're talking about john is don't worry don't worry about anything instead pray about everything so it's where, where do we where which god are we feeding here right what are we going to feed um our god who can care for our worries so uh, pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he's done if you do this you'll experience god's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now here's the the whatevers. And now, dear brothers and sisters, Mm. let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true or whatever is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the god of peace will be with you. Hmm. And I think all we saw Jesus do was justice. And it was it was just wrapped in all of these things that he's encouraging us to keep our eyes and heart fixed on.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, totally. And I uh, I don't have uh, the Greek Bible that I don't have anyways in front of me, but I wonder if that word that you read is right is the same as the same word. I'd be curious cuz my translation has it as just like yeah. whatever is just, and I, I wonder if there's the same. I could use my little tool, but
0: yeah. What what's the uh, what's the reference there, Nancy? Again,
1: uh, this is Philippians four, and I read six through nine.
0: Yeah, let me flip there real quick.
2: It's going to um, be four eight.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me flip there real quick. Hey, hey. Uh, let me say this though. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that both in Philippians 4, but also here in the Sermon on the Mount. We tend to read the Sermon on the Mount as, uh, as as an instructions for personal piety. Because we're an individualist culture, and we tend to think about individuals first. But Jesus wrote in, and for the vast majority humans have lived in, a collectivist culture. And Nancy, I know some of your work with cross-cultural um, missionary work in Japan, like you've you encountered this. And so you probably have more to speak to it than I do. Um, but when I read, strive first for the kingdom of God and his justice, I, I my hunch is, is that when when the readers or when the listeners heard that, they didn't think about be better morally, me. They thought about, living the politic of Jesus under his lordship with other people. So then that contrasts with the beginning of it, right? Storing up treasures for yourselves in barns, which is the focus on the individual, right? But, but, but rather live according to the kingdom and his justice is focusing on, uh, the community. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, um, you're worrying about yourself, but if you actually concern yourself with the community, you'll get all the things you're worried about for yourself back. Yes, you Trace,
1: yeah. you guys tracking with me on that? Yeah, You're so right. And, you know, the thing is, is most of the world, most of the rest of the world is more of a group oriented society. And they get this and they read this in a completely different way. Um, and I think those that Jesus was speaking to heard it in a completely different way than we do Hmm. So they, they know how to care for each other. They know that, um, like in Japan or I think in Africa, African cultures too, they know that what they do affects everybody else around them. And they, and that's important. They care about that. They care about that justice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, so then John, maybe riff for us on that. How does that change the way we think about seeking the kingdom and his justice?
2: Yeah. I think that that's one of our biggest uh, that's that's America's downfall right like this is the news cycle we're in right now this is the everything it's like we um there's certain levels that we are totally okay with the idea that our decisions affect others we want them to Mm.
0: um
2: you know this was that play I had a little bit on trickle down justice in the middle of it like we want to believe that uh, if we just do these things and good, will come to other people. Like we want to believe that. But then when it comes to personal finances, agree, like it, it doesn't hit for us or we don't feel attached to other people, which is really interesting. I think Nancy named that as a global thing. Even in this passage, you have 20% of like society by some estimations were living really well. And the religious elite had put themselves into that. Mm -hmm. And then the other 80% are living in Poverty, servanthood, slavery, really. And um, what happens is then when Jesus speaks these things and their honor and shame culture, the 80% heard this in the vision of going like, yeah, we are all attached and I do see this and I do wish there was more. And the top 20% heard it and had shame because they knew that in order for them to have, they had taken, they believed they had taken away. So with all of that, like this is the context of the here. So then how do... How do we hear that? How do we cast visions for that? And I I think at least some of my imagination in this sermon um, was I think we have to have the freedom first from it. Like we have to find ourselves free uh, mm. from this God so that we can um, we can begin to have a totally new imagination for it, if that makes sense. And I think that's what I tried to keep hitting in the good news because i yeah. just want to name as like a thing of like uh this whole sermon reeks of privilege in and of itself right like yeah. this
0: i wanted to bring that
2: up yeah it's like it entirely i mean my analogy was playing golf you know like it, how much of the world can afford <laughs> to go and pay whatever amount of dollars to be on the golf team like
1: True. yeah it
2: totally reeks of privilege yeah and i really struggled with that um and was already over time but I think these the folks that are listening to this most likely are were hearing a sermon in reality uh, Deb, another one of the people in our college of preachers sure as we were talking about this passage named the idea like the phrase of well this is just unfortunately necessary like the, to have to do something or to have money or to do something that exploits other people it's yeah. just it's just, an un- it's unfortunately necessary, but then there's that disconnect again that I think is happening because there's bondage of, like, out of money, and so then how do we release some of that mm-hmm. so that we can begin to now again see, like, this doesn't have to hold us back, and now I can actually believe I'm connected because I don't have to hold so tightly onto this, this coin. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That, that was definitely riffing. I don't know if it was riffing on what I was heading towards. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's helpful, John. I think you naming that, see the audience of the original Sermon on the Mount is different than the audience from our Sermon on Sunday. Yes. And you brought that out. So I just want to highlight that because I think it's really important. Um, it's one thing to tell a middle class person, even somebody living on support, Nancy, right? Who lives like in, a, in um first world accommodations, to not worry about their life, what they'll eat or drink or what they'll wear. It's another thing to say that to somebody who actually has to pray, give us this day our daily bread as a matter of existence, not as a matter of spiritual option. Yep. And so um, that's, I think this is another reason why um, I want to, I want to learn to hear the sermon on the Mount the way that, the original people heard it because i think it i think affluent people need to learn not to worry but when jesus is telling subsistence farmers and day laborers living hand to mouth these things he's actually undercutting the economy that they're at the bottom of yeah. and he's saying hey if you if you all would seek first my kingdom economic And the justice inherent there, then you'll have, you know, you'll have what you need. All these things, things to wear, things to eat will be given to you. Um, And I think it's given to you because you've created a new politic. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like um, it's, there's a new logic and order at work that isn't the logic and order of I gain to build bigger barns and I hoard and I keep. Right. Um, yeah. So th- I, I'm thinking too, like, I thought the same thing, like this sermon sounds a lot different if half of us are homeless. Yes.
2: Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause the, the places of good news entirely change. So for instance, even just the first few verses, do not store for yourselves here, but store yourselves up for treasures in heaven for there where your treasure is for your heart. But you also, if you don't have any treasure, Jesus just proclaimed a brand new kingdom that's always existed, is here. Like the God Yahweh is saying, here's this kingdom. Then actually part of what you're hearing is, I've been storing my treasure in the right place. there's even one author, one author, uh, took this play to say like this is this idea of storing the treasure and taking away treasure and what that is he talked about how israelites would have understood that this is what pharaoh did to them when pharaoh didn't allow them to take their things he was trying to take their heart away he was Hmm. trying to take away their uh their existence the way they thought because that was the paradigm that he lived in but when god proclaims here when jesus proclaims here like no, there's treasure somewhere else and this is good. And this is these things like, Oh, okay. So even though Rome has taken this away from me, even though Pharaoh took this away from us, like our treasures, we have treasures. We've been storing treasures. Like there's, that's a totally different way to hear that. Um, and so then this proclamation of these good news over and over again, if this kingdom is here now, um, it's like good. Cause I, what else did I have? I don't have what that dude on top of the hill over there has. Um, so totally.
1: I think Don, that's where you're in your good news proclamation, that idea of freedom. And you talked about it all the way through your, your message, mm-hmm. but there's freedom for each one of us, no matter where we are. So even, um, I mean, I think about in the shelter in place with, um, with the COVID-19, my friends in Sierra Leone, I mean, they got shut down like no, no, even like um, grocery store. You couldn't even go out at all. Like we here in America, like we could go to the grocery store and come back. We had, you know, privilege. We had, we mm-hmm. could, we could do things. They couldn't go anywhere. And so as I talked with them afterwards and, and some of them during this, you know, I said, well, what are you doing for food? And I said, well, we're fasting we don't have any choice we're we're not eating and so we're eating one meal a day uh as a family and then we're fasting for the rest of the time and i thought they were they had this it was a um a joy for them they said it's okay we're we're doing okay we're free in a sense we're free from the worry of what we're going to eat because we've chosen how to go about this whereas americans most of us went and hoarded things um and had you know a stockpiled pantry or whatever Mm -hmm. and we were still worried we still were not free from that worry and Mm -hmm. so I think each this freedom from the worry um as I sat even last night with sort of looking at where I was what I sensed was this release that freedom Mm -hmm. that Nancy you don't have to worry and um the freedom, I think, that God, that Jesus calls us to here that you proclaimed um, boldly is that we, we can be free from the worry of all those infinite possibilities of what if, you know, when, how. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really spoke deeply to me. And I think each one of us um, can appreciate and enjoy that freedom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then let's maybe. Maybe spend some time as we wind down. Like um, clothes, food—you know, basic uh, necessities. The um, we weren't created to be entirely free from either of these things. You know, I'm thinking. Uh, even I, I share with you both before we got on this call. I've been struggling with my sleep for for years. And, um, if I take a Benadryl, I can knock myself out for nine hours, but then I kind of wake up with that antihistamine hangover, you know? (laughs) And so I, I just tried last night to go to bed at 10 30 and not take a Benadryl. And I woke up at four and I've been, I've been like sort of having this despair, doom and despair kind of scarcity mentality, like worry, like what, like maybe I'm just going to have to develop a Benadryl habit. (laughs) I mean, there's worse habits, right? But for the rest of my life, like what if I, and like sleep isn't something I can just decide to do without. In fact, if I go without sleep for two weeks, I die. Apparently. Um, You know, same thing with food and same thing with being exposed to the elements. So what kind of freedom is this? Mm. What kind of freedom um, is the hope inherent in the a kingdom justice that we give ourselves to what kind of freedom do we discover there?
2: Doctor, any thoughts I'll open it to you first.
1: <laughs> what comes to mind immediately is that it, it's that internal freedom. Like you say, Matt, any of those things we need. Um, it's, it's that releasing the, our, our anxiety over them to hmm to jesus instead of i i love the illustration that you had john is how do we feed this god of money it's that we give him all of our anxiety and our worry and and yet it's jesus who says cast all your cares cast all your worries on me because i can care for them and there's freedom in that um so i think it's it's that way that we have freedom uh, any one of us any one of us
2: totally yeah that's good nancy i agree and because that's that's a bit of what we do. And I, I don't know if I like discipleship wheel this a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so then there's bad news at play, this fear, this anxiety, this worry, I, I won't have enough, I'm not enough. Um, whatever, whatever it is. And then we move into this good news, but then we have to like participate in it in yep. order to learn it, to know it. We have to embody it. And I think this is where, like, that phrase, like, communal justice comes in. Like, this is, uh, I, this, I, I think God, uh, this is, like, my side thing. of Like, I think being created in the image of God means being created in a triune God's image, which is this giving and receiving hmm. at all times of this three-in-one, one-in-three being. And then if we were created into that image to continue the giving and receiving of that, all of humanity, all of creation then is created into that space. So then I think this is where, what we're trying to learn to practice more and more at the table, but then we, we submit that we submit these anxieties and these fears and these worries, we submit these realities, we submit these, um, these things. And so when it comes to clothing and food, There's parts of that that I I think that plays itself out. (laughs) Like I I don't have enough of this. How do we bear this together? And the temptation is oftentimes we say, let's bear this. Okay, great. Create a thrift store in the back of the church and that'll solve all the things, which does work in and of itself. But it also, again, paces money and items at the center of our total imagination versus how do we bear this together? How do we submit this to one another? Um, And then- matt i think with sleep i wonder and this is how i see this playing out for us is that like uh if you had had to not do this this morning because you had a terrible night of sleep we would have bore that with you and i think we we do and sometimes because sometimes it's just like yeah no you got two hours of sleep last night you this is different you can't do this or this is not and that's okay like that's uh instead of you know, table chat being the most important thing that's ever happened in our lives. And it has to move on no matter what's happening. It's like, no, there's a, there's a lack here and equitable justice that shares and does these things. There's other things here. I don't, there's, there's some of my beginning.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't doing this, I'd just be sitting around uh, complaining that I was, that I was so tired because there's no way I'm falling asleep right now. Uh, So this is actually grace for me. A, A couple of thoughts, maybe to wrap us up. I, I'm thinking about this focus that Jesus has on heart or desire, right? He talks about storing up treasures for yourself on earth, 19. Um store up treasures in heaven, 20, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then this eye is a lamp of the body thing. Like what what is the thing you're beholding and what's it doing to you? How are you how are you attaching or not? To the things you're looking at, um, and then serving these masters, um, I, I think there's a wealth of, of Christian tradition, and it's preserved. I think most robustly in the ascetic tradition about what desire is for, and we don't um, we don't realize that desire gets hooked into counterfeit gods because we don't name them as gods, which is why it was important work, John, I think for you to name mammon as a God. Um, it's not that, it's not that, um, money is, um, it's not that having money is evil. It's that money is a God and our desires, this is the human predicament. Our desires get hooked into things that aren't God. And so we have to figure out a way. It's easy when we're talking about, um, adultery or, you know what I'm saying, or murder, we can just be like, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't desire that at all. But with money, like, you know, actually it is the root of all evil and you can't serve God of money, but money's unavoidable. Money's unavoidable. Um, Some kind of economy will be at work. And so I'm, I'm noticing that it's about the forming and shaping of our desires to seek first, meaning set your heart on Desire first um, the canonic economy of mutuality inherent in the Trinity, like you were saying, John, and seek the justice inherent in that logic. And then you'll be the kind of person who can take care of Jesus out of the money bag. Right? Not the kind of person who steals out of the money bag, And then ends up betraying Jesus, (laughs) you know, like you'll become a Luke eight, a Luke eight lady, as we like to call them as well. I just, I I don't know if we like to call them that, but I'm I'm calling them that and and not a, and not a, um, a Judas. So that's the first thing I'm thinking about. And the second thing I'm thinking about is, you know, this isn't the only time that food and Jesus and economy and desire are going on. I'm thinking about that story in the wilderness where Jesus, you know, multiplies the loaves and the fishes. And we're all about like bread in the wilderness, manna or 12 loaves and seven, you know, baskets and fishes. And there's like twelves and sevens are important. And you know, there's all like Jesus manifesting his deity. Yeah. But like, like really what's going on is that uh, the apostles or the disciples have lunch and they ain't sharing. I mean, some of the some of the stories have a boy with the lunch, but but there's the disciples have lunch and they ain't sharing. And Jesus is like, hand over your lunch. Hand over your lunch. Hand over the thing that feels like not enough to you, that couldn't possibly feed the number of people we have. But look what happens when we consecrate the little you have for the giant lack the community has. Look what happens when God is at work in that. Like, and I think people of privilege, we who we're always responsible for our own meals, um, we, like we miss that. We miss like, oh gosh, here's, here's the disciples sharing their scarcity and lack with Jesus, basically giving up their own security, tearing down their barns and storehouses. And then Jesus takes it and creates abundance in the community. And I think, I don't know, I, I think we need prolonged meditation on what that wants to do to how we think about our resources, our economy, our community, the debt of love we owe each other and what it means to be just. Um, so those are a couple of things that stirred for me as you both were speaking. I'll, I'll give, uh, John, why don't you speak? And then Nancy, you can have the last word. What?
2: Yeah, no, it's really good, Matt. Um, I think is a, a closing thought and some of how we move towards that. It, the eye uh, is a lamp of the body piece of this. And I just wish there had been more time. But it uh, it's Israelite proverb. And to have open eyes means to be generous. And mm-hmm. to have squinted eyes is to be greedy and to hoard and to hold on to. Yeah. And so to have open eyes and generosity allows light. Like it means there's light going on. Uh, But to keep our eyes squint, to hold on to what we have, to be greedy, causes darkness. Uh, And I think that's what you're, that's what you're submitting is like, what is it, what happens when we open our eyes and give up our loaves and our fish? Yes. And we'll find, I think we'll find some light in us and in others and Hmm. in these spaces. And, um, but it, it takes some contemplation and then it takes some doing of it. Mm. So just do it together yeah. as the body. And, uh, I, think, I don't think we can learn what it means to base an economic on justice until we start trying it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: mm. Nancy. Yeah, you know, you, um, both of you talked a little bit about imagination in this and what, what struck me is what came to my imagination, to my mind, John, even as you talked about the Trinity and the community and the caring, the mutual caring and love within the Trinity was Rublev's, um, Andrei Rublev's um, Holy Trinity uh, icon. And, and the, the space for, for us, an open space at the table. And the thing is, is that we all sit at that table, all of mankind, all of humankind. Hmm. And, and we would, I don't think we would ever sit next to someone at the table with the Holy Trinity and, and hoard things for ourselves. Hmm. Um there would be justice inherent in, in our picturing, our imaging that everyone in our lives is a part of being able to sit at, at the table in the mission of God, that every one of us um, is equally able to participate in that love and that care and that justice on yeah. everything that's given to us. So maybe sit with the Holy Trinity icon for a little bit and imagine mm-hmm. all of us, all of us at the table, and how would we treat each other in the presence of the Trinity, which is where we are. Yeah, always.
0: Yeah, yeah. So may we um, may we then not just see this as a demand not to worry, so that we then our cancerous worry uh, worries about our worry, but may we be invited into a new economy of uh, abundance and mutuality that is uh, caught up with Christ and the Father and the Spirit in heaven, but also um, rigorously rooted in our local relationships. And may we learn to desire justice, like um, real-world justice with each other, so that we can experience the abundance and provision of God. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. All right. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, John. Good to chat with you.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks